nya 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 pa mba babwe zimbabwe <clears throat> the broken bunsen burner burns so bright south jamie southeast asian peninsula hey, hey jamie yes i think the only line we need from you today is drivers who switch to progressive could say big Cool. I just got to finish my warm-ups. <clears throat> foul, foul, throw in the towel. History, history. Switch history, to Progressive history. today. Santa ski slalom in a salmon skin suit. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Pitch to Podium and also on the Inside Line Formula One podcast. As always, this is myself, Somal Arora, and to my left is Kunal Shah. Kunal, fantastic weekend of racing yet again that we are bound to have at the Spanish GP circuit. Barcelona is a circuit that we all love, we all admire. But before we actually get down to discussing what to expect from the race, there's just been so much happening at Pitch to Podium, isn't there? There is just so much. It's, you know, two triple header races, the second triple header coming to an end. But there's so much fun content. You know, it's been great collaborating with you. I've heard personally from a lot of uh, listeners of the Inside Line F1 podcast, not just Lucien, (laughs) who've liked having you on the show. Yes, they miss Mithila. But uh, the fact is that, you know, you and I are, you know, I, I love this format of the show we, that we've, you know, found where we look forward to races, we look back at races. And then, you know, of course, my favorite has to be the working in F1 series we have. Oh, absolutely. Working in F1, we've got so many big figures from the world of Formula One. We've got Mark Sutton in, legendary photographer who's been around for over three decades. We've got William Polizzi, uh, Alfa Romeo's communication officer, and probably our most successful video till date, Michael Italiano, who is the performance coach of Daniel Ricciardo. He was on at Pittsburgh as well. And that was superb. But now let's get down to the reason why we are here today. And that is five things to watch out for in this week's Spanish Grand Prix. What do we have at first? You know, the big question everyone's going to be asking is, can Mercedes be defeated for yet one more race this season? And, you know, Samuel, it might just be, at least as things stand right now, it might just be that Mercedes could at least be challenged. We don't know if they'll be defeated, but I, I have a feeling that there is a challenge coming, you know, up uh, this weekend. Red Bull, specifically Max Verstappen, you know, are going to be trying to make the dent yet again. And uh, it's down to the same uh, factors as we saw last weekend. So the tires are, of course, you know, a step harder. So the tires that are going to be used are the ones that we used in the first race at Silverstone, which we all know both the Mercedes drivers had blowouts with. Okay. But the other factor, of course, being that, uh, you know, uh, we are racing in Spain a couple of months uh, uh, away than usual, we are racing in the peak summer, so it is going to be much warmer than it would have, oh, you know, yeah. usually been. And my favorite part, you know, the circuit characteristics—another fast, free-flowing, uh, high-loading circuit. I I love the Montemolo circuit that we've got here. It is such a treat to drive on. It is one of those very few circuits where you can just keep on going and going and going, and you won't get bored. But a very good point that you mentioned there, Kunal—the higher temperatures. 
it is going to have such a significant impact because we saw the same thing in Silverstone. And what is it? We're in August and we usually have the Spanish GP quite early on. So this is going to be a significant factor. But just one thing that comes to Mercedes is aid is the fact that Barcelona, although it's very fast and flowing, it does not put as much load on the tyres as, say, something like Silverstone would. So they are covered in one place, but don't expect them to be as fast as testing because... We remember, testing happens in February. That's when you've got a lot of cold in the atmosphere. That's when the wind is very thick. And the downforce on the Mercedes car really comes into its own. The weather right here, the air is going to be very thin because the track temperatures are literally soaring. And we are getting rumors that it's going to be around, what, 32, 33 odd degrees when the race goes on. So Mercedes, they may be by far and away the best team that we have here. But there are a few problems in the offing that could really what irritate them quite a bit. Yeah, you know, frankly, what I intend to do after this video is pick up the phone and call Mario Isola <laughs> and then tell him, uh, you know, dear Mario, can you please raise the, the you know, the tire pressures for one more race oh, this yes. season. And then we could literally have, you know, a, a race on our hands. And, you know, like you said, Mercedes, could they have problems? We've realized that, you know, when, uh, you know, when, when there is a very specific uh, track uh, temperature and tire compound and, and the likes that they, they chew their tires more than any of the competition. So that's definitely one of the first things to look out for. Okay. My second thing to look out for Somil is Sebastian Vettel, you know, Ferrari oh, yes. are, are giving him a new chassis. You know, they said that, yeah, we found a small issue and maybe it's because of a curb strike. It wouldn't have impacted, you know, performance uh. as much, but nevertheless, we'll just give him a new chassis. So Sebastian's getting a new chassis, you know, apart from just seeing if he can bounce back and be closer to Charles or even beat him. I really want to see if their relationship deteriorates any further because for the very first time, you know, last weekend at the 70th anniversary Grand Prix, we saw Sebastian speak out against Ferrari on team radio. He did. He was very vocal and he quite literally said, you messed up. And if that isn't a bigger sign of Sebastian Vettel showing his distrust in Ferrari anymore, I have no clue about what is. But what's <laughs> even more symbolic, Kunal, is after the races and even after qualifying, if you just go back on the internet after this video is done, of course, and listen to the radio that Sebastian Vettel had, he was just dead quiet. It's almost as if Ferrari have taken away the spirit that the old Sebastian Vettel had from him. And they literally had to do a radio check to ask if Sebastian could even hear them because he was so quiet, because he was so lost in his thoughts about all that's going wrong. To me, the chassis change might just be papering over the cracks. But, you know, sometimes you have these great champions. You need those tiny changes that really upsets, the, uh, changes their mood rather, and brings in a new atmosphere. Hopefully that sort of thing happens for Sebastian Vettel because it's really sad to see him outside the top 10. But what do you think is going to happen, Kunal? Because uh, Spain, we know it's one of Sebastian Vettel's stronger circuits. Over the years, he has done and he's put rather very good performances at this circuit. And it's a very technical one. Now, on one side, that won't favor the car. But as a driver, it's one of Sebastian's favorites. It is. And, you know, it's like what you said, it may not favor their car. And, you know, one of the reasons why... Charles could do as well as he did is because they reduced a lot of downforce in in uh, you know for the races at Silverstone. So I'll be, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll I'll be eager to see what sort of a, you know setup approach could we see at the hands of uh, at the hands of Ferrari, and uh, you know at the end of the day they're trying all that they can to make it work. And at least in Charles, they have a driver who's literally willing to push the car you know higher you know on higher slots than it actually deserves to finish in.
But this just very well leads us on to the next talking point that we have about the midfield. It's quite a fun one, this one, because if Ferrari aren't going to be in contention, or rather I should say Charles Leclerc isn't going to be in contention because of the whole downforce kind of setup, who do you think is going to be number three? Who do you think is going to be the legitimate challenge for the podium places along with Red Bull? Is, are we going to see a return from uh, Alex Albon? Because he did quite a good job last week in Silverstone. Are we going to see the likes of Sergio Perez, who is actually returning from uh, the COVID-19 virus and come, is coming up to race this weekend? Are we going to see him in the championship, in the podium battle? I'm so sorry. Again, the, the, the 2019 Mercedes, that's what they're pretty much racing, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it could probably be just the best circuit where you know, they're waiting to go racing on. Lots of you know, uh, miles of data that the team would have had and so on. And as for you know, Sergio, he would want to come back and make, uh, make a splash right away. But uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm also going to look out to see if, uh, you know, there are any signs of him having, you know, sort of physical fatigue and so on. Because let's remember, he's, you know, he's just recovered from the virus, you know, about two weeks in. I don't know if he's had the time to, you know, keep physically fit and what the virus would have sort of impacted him and, and so on. But uh, I would definitely assume that, you know, Racing Point will be in a very, very good space uh, come this weekend. Exactly. The return of Sergio Perez is something that can really rejuvenate them. After all, he's the man who's literally taken the team from where they were back in the day to where they are. I mean, not literally, but he's been somewhat of a stalwart in the team and his presence will really help them out. But Renault are going to be a very big talking point. Now, in testing, Racing Point were by far and away the most impressive team. Again, same circuit, different conditions. What can we expect from Renault? Because they were edging. They were edging around the top six or say top eight when the testing was going on with their completely new revamped design philosophy and the whole new bold front wing upgrade that they've got. Are they going to be in the reckoning? Because in Silverstone, they very well were. You know, uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be an interesting challenge for Renault as well because uh, at the end of the day, uh, I think the last two, three races have sort of put them in a positive spin. You know, we've seen the drivers overtake in the last few laps, have better positions to finish and, and, and so on. Of course, Daniel had a spin a couple of days ago, so he would want to come back and show that he's lost none of it. But I, I suspect that Renault might still not be able to challenge Racing Point at this circuit. That's, that's, my, that's my reading of things. I think McLaren might be a little more closer, so to say. But, you know, it's just so competitive that the difference is a couple of tenths here and there, as, as we've seen in the two races at Silverstone. And uh, all, all that will really matter at Spain. You know, one of the big things is going to be how higher up the grid is one going to be able to qualify. It's notoriously known to be a very tricky track to pass on. We've only got a couple of overtaking opportunities here and there. Say, turn one, for instance. Or maybe, just if you've got a fantastic run, Perhaps on the exit of turn 10, that's where you can get a move done. But in terms of the circuit, Kunal, it's one, as we earlier discussed early on, it's very tight and twisty, very narrow. And we have seen time and again that tyre wear is going to be something that becomes a proper problem right here. With the higher temperatures, how much of a problem do you expect this to be for teams like Mercedes or even Racing Point? Because essentially, they've got the same car from last year. Yeah, so, you know, that's actually what I was going to bring up as one of the next few points to look out for. So, if you're one of those uh, listeners or viewers who, uh, you know, prefer softer tyres and multiple pit stops and the whole race strategy being played around and thrown around, 
it might well happen this weekend as well. Okay, I don't think it's going to be a straightforward one stopper. We might see the likes of say Red Bull, the likes of say uh, you know Renault and and so on, or even the likes of say Ferrari. You know, try and do a different uh, tire strategy. This, of course, is you know on the fact that even though it's a harder tire, the the the, the weather and the track temperatures will sort of cause a higher degradation rate than. You know what they saw, you know, in 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 testing and and in the races before, and uh, that actually brings me to you know also saying that for the first time we will have a very straightforward comparison of Formula One cars uh, and their times from pre-COVID nineteen and during COVID nineteen. You know, thankfully the cars don't get affected by the viruses, okay, but at least we'll see how well the cars and packages of various teams have evolved. how how the teams have understood what they've designed for the year and how how well are they able to tweak it for the upcoming grand prix and they will be facing just a little bit of breathing issues because again warmer temperatures thinner air so the downforce may be just slightly that ineffective in comparison to when it was in testing but a good point that you mentioned econol how teams have evolved now if you're just new to formula 1 and you're wondering okay how do they evolve the cars what kind of development that goes in and what's the rate of this development well a couple of years ago i remember one of the very esteemed figures in the paddock i don't exactly remember who but they gave a very good example that the car when you begin at the start of the season it is a whole lot slower than the car that you actually have at the end because you just don't win formula 1 by having one base car you have to keep on upgrading you have to keep on improving on the same and it's been a while since we last went testing what well, it was february or early march when we were going testing here at barcelona and since then we have seen so many major upgrades i mean we've seen the likes of red bull come in with a whole new front wing design so how do you think things are going to play out in that way as well actually speaking of red bull what can max verstappen do with a possibility for a two or three stopper you see him in the reckoning once again today this weekend i'm sorry Yes I I don't think I would ever write off Max Verstappen at especially not the one that we've been seeing in the last season or two uh you know when he was crash Verstappen it was a different thing but you know he's he's been fairly consistent and has been keeping it on track he's keeping the Mercedes boys honest when whenever you know uh, the Red Bull package allows him to do so but you know one one point that you mentioned which I would sort of you know expand a little more on is typically the spanish grand prix is when a lot of teams bring new you know package Absolutely. updates new front wings nose rear wings and so on of course uh, you know for uh, the 2020 season uh, you know there have been external factors sort of hampering this kind of uh, development but we've been you know we've been five races in now so it'll be it'll be good to track uh, you know what are the sort of upgrades that the teams have got if those upgrades have sort of worked for them and if in any way they've helped change the pecking order and you know by talking of pecking order i don't mean that suddenly somebody's <laughs> going to challenge mercedes on pace but there is definitely a lot of room in in the you know in the middle order in the in the midfield teams you know like we said a couple of tens in qualifying and that's the difference between you being easily into q3 or just landing up 11th this actually makes me wonder a lot about williams now david they are a team who have struggled a lot in the last couple of years last year in testing they were approximately what 3 and a half seconds behind the rest of the pack huge gap but they've recovered canal in testing this year they were completely different team i think they've closed up around the second or second and couple of tens here and there 
what can we expect from them? And this low midfield battle is something that we've not really spoken a lot about. Because time and again, we are seeing George Russell coming into Q2. But in the races, it's a bit iffy for Williams. Where do you see this one going? This battle between Williams, Alfa Romeo, Haas, and now you're in Alfa Tauri because they've just been a little off-colour since the season has begun. You know, to me, there is nobody else to cheer for than uh, George Russell. You know, like we've... I think this would probably be the third video, but it needs yep. to be said that George knows that he gets the one chance to shine every weekend, which is his qualifying lap in Q1. It's literally, you know, when you funnel it down, he knows that there's that one lap in Q1, which will get him into Q2. And suddenly everyone's going to be talking about him yet again. And up until now, he's never failed to put a blistering lap just when it has to happen. And that's one thing I'll really look forward to. You know, uh, talking of the other teams, uh, Al, uh, you know, uh, Alfa Romeo have definitely been struggling. It's unfortunate to see Kimi Raikkonen as slow as he's been, even slower than, you know, Antonio Giovinazzi and the like. So, it, you know, it, it waits to be seen if they are able to make progress. Alfa Tauri, you know, uh, it's like Pierre Gasly is able to shine much more than Danny Kvyat. And I would, you know, I would love to see if Kvyat is able to, you know, take the momentum he had in the last race where he scored a point, you know, going into the race this weekend and the likes. And as for Haas, you know, they've been, they've been very vocal. Guys, we're not upgrading the car till we know what's happening in 2020. So, yep. apart from some flashes of brilliance, I, I don't, I don't think they're going to, you know, they, I don't, I mean, I don't think they will be able to get into Q2 as comfortably. It's been groundhog couple of it's been groundhog year pretty much for Haas ever since it's began. They've had terrible braking issues all the way through. And even in Barcelona, I mean they, they were encouraging signs of pace, but as the season began, we saw everything fading away in a flash. But that's the midfield, Uncanal. We we've spoken about the challenges that Mercedes could face externally. What about all that's happening inside the team? Bottas and Hamilton are fighting each other like two top-notch boxers, trading blows one after the other. And one weekend you see Bottas on the top spot, the other weekend you have Hamilton. Some days you just have Max Verstappen poking through, but who's going to have the edge this time out? Because if we, if we can remember from last year, it was quite an interesting battle. We had Lewis Hamilton winning the race, but we had Valtteri Bottas. Well, he was on pole position. So what do we expect this year? Is it going to be something very similar between the two Mercedes guys? I, I would suspect so, you know, Samuel. Uh, Botas has been ridiculously close to Lewis Hamilton when the sessions have been equal, equally matched and, you know, not impacted by rain or having car issues and the likes. And that, that speaks volumes for Botas's talent. Let's remember, he's up against a legendary driver, okay? I think they will be in the fight for uh, pole position, uh, you know, like always. And I, I, I would... I would love to see Botas take pole again. I think he was robbed of a win, uh, yeah. you know, last weekend. And I don't think what Mercedes did was anything uh, wrong. I just think that, you know, the one weekend when he was really dominant, the Mercedes wasn't as dominant as, you know, he needed them to be. But, uh, you know, I, I, I would love to see Botas take pole and sort of try and level even out some of the championship points that he's lost to Lewis in the Drivers' Championship. Because at the end of the day, I don't really care who wins the championship so long as we have a genuine fight. 
That, that's been one thing we've been really robbed off of. And thankfully, Kunal, Spanish GP, it's a track where we really see things being mixed up because teams usually come up with their upgrades, as we mentioned early on. That's where all the drama can really come together. The racing on the track may not be the best in the world, mind you, but the battles in terms of strategy, they're going to be so much fun, aren't they? Yes, they will be. And we will be decoding all those battles after the race in our post-race debrief. It usually, you know, it actually goes live every Sunday night after the race, a few hours after the race. So you guys can, you know, you guys are welcome to check our channel, subscribe to it, come, you know, view all our videos. And if you have any questions, you know, you feel free to ask us and we'll try and address them during these videos of ours. Absolutely. It should be really fun to build a whole goal, good racing community between ourselves. But folks, as, as always, thank you so much for watching. Kunal, a pleasure to discuss these Formula 1 races with you every single week. And folks, if you enjoyed this one, please feel free to leave a like, to subscribe to the channel, and also to share this video in all the Formula 1 groups and communities you're a part of, because we know that you actually are. Thank you so much for watching, folks, and see you after the race, where we discuss exactly what has happened in our post-race debrief. Bye-bye. Thanks, Samuel. Bye-bye. Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.